Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Everybody and welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, where every web is tangled that we seem to weave. James, I'm telling you, it's getting harder and harder to find time for you and I to do this. At some point, you're going to need to move me into your house and support me so I don't have to work and we can just let the pods flow. Yes, I will fake my own death before that happens. I regret giving you my address. It is most unfortunate. But at the time when we started this, you were a highly successful, you know, traveling psychologist, not yeah. a homeless, you know, garage dwelling <laughs> fire ant victim. So you definitely your your life situation has changed just a bit since we first met. Ironically, I have less time now that I am a garage-dwelling fire ant meal, and I, I don't know if that says good things about me or not, James. I don't know, but it has been an entertaining for me and at least a couple of people as every week somehow this news with your house gets worse and worse and worse. And last week you thought it was the termites that were going to stop you from buying your BDSM rattlesnake ranch, but... Some other act of God intervened. Would you like to share with our listener singular what exactly went wrong this week? Well, let me tell you what happened, Judy P. That uh, I there was an intervening one, too, that I can't remember what happened because the next one was such a big deal. But the, uh, the termite report didn't get generated. I know you, you might need to sit down, everybody, because the room will start to spin. The, the second termite report was not conducted and written up in a very timely manner. And then the mortgage company stopped communicating with our realtor, probably because they closed for the weekend at noon on Thursday. But uh, on Friday night, Mrs. Steve got a text. I was taking a shower, and when I stepped out of the shower, there was a string of expletives that may shock people who think she is a good and wholesome person. But the mortgage company, <clears throat> they uh, wrote and said, because FEMA, this one actually made a little bit of sense to me, James, even though because it's so far down the chain of one thing after another, it was still magnificently irritating. <laughs> because FEMA has determined the county a disaster area due to the flooding that happened, they're going to need another home inspection and another home inspection report in order to <laughs> deem our property worthy of loaning us money, which... I just want to repeat two things are relevant in my irritation. One, this is a no-brainer mortgage for them because of all that we bring to the table. But two, the termite guy had literally been there like the day before, which was a good week after the flood, and he didn't see any problem. But apparently he doesn't know what he's looking for when he's determining if there's flood damage or not. Like, is the house still standing? I, he obviously can't tell because he's a termite guy, not oh, a home yeah. inspector. So now we're waiting for that to happen, and our realtor is uh, not holding his breath. Let's put it that way. So I, I guess uh, in my perception of this could be wrong because, like most sensible people, I have never visited BDSM Rattlesnake Ranch. I don't want to come out covered in poison and lube and whatever else is going on down there. <laughs> 
But from the pictures, it appears to basically be on a mountaintop. Like, it looks down on all the land surrounding it. Like, the only way this would be flooded is if the, the earth was flooded. Like, you know, if global warming takes us all out, then maybe your house will be gone. But I think it's going to be the last one standing. Yeah, I believe that was one of Mrs. Steve's replies, which was something to the order of, uh, you know, if our house floods, you're going to be on an ark right now, right? <laughs> and uh, that didn't seem to go over because, you know, they're mortgage people. They barely get their shoes on the correct feet each morning. So now that they have kicked this can down the road another indefinite period of days, are you finally going to look into finding another mortgage broker? Or are you like a person in an abusive relationship just going to stick it out with the people who keep hurting you? God, I hate to say it's the latter. Oh, oh Steve, you're better than this. This is like... We hit an inside-the-park home run, and we're rounding third, headed for home, and the umpire is still deciding whether the ball was fair or foul. Like, uh, at some point, don't you just concede everyone is doing their thing. Let's just call it a fair ball and get this thing over with. But apparently, getting business and satisfying customers is not the mantra of mortgage brokers. So how many more days did this get pushed out? Do you have an idea or are we no. just in the question mark phase of your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said to <laughs> my wife, I said, it, you know, when you told me that on Friday, I, it was annoying, but it was just like, ah, okay. Because if it ain't the mange, it's the fleas. And I think I texted you Friday night, or I, I can't remember where I texted this to somebody. I know I texted, you did. we were texting a little bit on Friday about this, but I said that the amazing thing is, all of these issues, they're all, none of them are concurrent. It's always as soon as one is resolved, another one pops up because they can't just do their job and look at the whole field of play and decide what needs to be done and not be done. That uh, it's just one thing and then that gets fixed and we get hope. Because I think, James, it's sort of like the airlines. When there's a big problem, the airlines will never say this is going to be a six-hour delay. They chunk it down into 20-minute bites because then our spirits can soar a little higher, which makes them break a little harder when the airline decides, oh, yeah, we're still not going to leave. I know it's been two 20-minute segments, but it'll be about another 20 minutes. Like, uh, they know they want to lift us up so that it hurts more when they drop us. That's why they keep doing this one after the other instead of just getting them all wiped out at once. I am going to shatter your will to live. Are you ready for the truth bomb of your life, Steve? Yes. Okay. So you keep assuming with all of these analogies, you know, with the plane ride, you get on the plane and then you go on the trip, no matter how long it's delayed. Or with, you know, rounding third going home, eventually you get there and you score. But here's right. the thing. there yeah. There is no finish line for this debacle. <laughs> At some point, they're going to give you the money, and you're going to close on this house. And when that happens, the things that go wrong are just going to keep going wrong because there's only two common elements in every single one of these disasters. Right. And one is the BDSM Rattlesnake Ranch, and the other is you. Two unlucky, cursed forces that have bound <laughs> together to just create a vortex of misery. That <laughs> Actually, by by association, has created joy around you because you're soaking up all the misery to yourself. There's no misery left, which is why I have been so delighted all these past podcasts, and so have our one or two listeners. Like, I don't know why you think your luck is going to suddenly turn around once you move into this place. I foresee more of the same. 
I'm hoping Mrs. Steve can create a universal sterilize, uh, sterilizing, good God, stabilizing force to all of this evil. And that once she puts her stink on it, all of it will be better. And that, that's the only thing I'm clinging to right now, James. Well, that like like a drowning man drowning in your flood-ravaged county where the water will someday apparently reach the mountaintop where you want to live. Uh, but I actually <laughs> want to change gears now because as much as fun as it is to focus on your disaster, there are disasters in my life, too, and I'd like to talk about some of them for once. I would uh, love to get off the hot seat. What's going on <laughs> in Breakwell's world? Well, it occurred to me, this is a topic we've never talked about, which is shocking because we've been talking about nothing for so long. Uh, <laughs> but recently, my wife broke her engagement ring, and it was supposed to be covered by the jewelry store because my wife somehow managed to take it in every six months for routine maintenance. If you if you don't take it in, they don't honor the protection plan, which is why they don't actually honor any protection plans because who remembers to do something every six months? Well, nope. my wife did. She followed all the rules for 14 years, and now that the ring is broken, they're jerking us around and and they were trying to make us pay all this extra money and all this stuff. And uh, I had a heck of a time buying that ring in the first place. I thought I'd never do it again. And now basically I'm ring shopping for a second time. But it occurred to me that we've never compared ring stories. Like, I don't know what you went through to get the ring for Mrs. Steve, or if you've upgraded it over the years, or if she's broken it as she's built your various, you know, murder chambers below your house, or, you know, <laughs> replacing termite damage in a house you don't own. She's a pretty active person so i would love to hear about your ring situation as compared to mine our ring situation was made very simple by mrs steve picking out and she she did everything except pull the trigger and actually buy the ring <laughs> but it, the the runway was well lit as my plane was coming in for a landing if you know what i'm saying I will also say that given as active as Mrs. Steve has been over the years, she doesn't wear her rings very often, which used to I bother me when I was why. <laughs> when I was younger and far less secure as a human being, it always bothered me, and now it's just part of the rhythm that she has. I know where she keeps them. Well, not anymore because we have no home. But she will find a place in Lou Branch where she does keep them. And they're always available. When we're going out somewhere, she'll slip them on. But when she's busy doing things, she doesn't wear her rings almost ever. Let me tell you what the game changer for me was, was silicone yeah. rings. You can get them for about 3 bucks each. You can get them in a pack of like 12 <laughs> And uh, they're incredible. You can wear them when you're using a saw, when you're lifting weights, when you're punching somebody in the face, you know, your martial arts class. You just don't have to take them off. And when they get stretched out or lost or destroyed, you just put on another $3 ring and you're good to go. Now, my actual ring was a whopping $90. I think it's made of titanium and it looks like a napkin ring. It uh, and uh, it was too big. We got it with the anticipation that, you know, I was pretty lean at the end of college, not as lean as I could be. But, you know, I was lean ish. And I presumed that over the course of my life, I would get fat. So I was like, well, I don't want to get this <laughs> ring super tight or it's going to cut off circulation. I'm going to lo lose a finger. So we got a little bit big. And it turns out over the next 10 years, as I got horribly out of shape before I discovered keto and then the carnivore diet. Um, I don't gain weight in my fingers at all, ever. It just goes to my face. My 
face just doubles in weight. It carries bags and bags and pounds of fat, but uh, it does not go to my fingers. So this stupid ring just flew off my fingers constantly. Every time it was a little bit cold out or my fingers were damp or it just felt like it. So uh, the other day I finally looked into it. I was like, I wonder. So first of all, we bought this ring at a small jewelry store and it clearly had like 10 cents worth of metal in it. Like it's not worth $90, but I wonder what it's really worth. So I went to buy a real jewelry store, like the one that's jerking us around for this replacement ring, not the same one, but a similar one. And they wanted like two or $300 for these rings. It's like, yeah, but again, it's just a piece of machined metal. It's not even precious metal, like titanium's what you build tanks out of. Like this is not something that's in short supply. So I looked on eBay and you can get a new titanium ring on there for between eight and $10. And I wow. was, and I was like, "Wow, I could get a ring that fits for eight to ten dollars." And my wife told me it wasn't worth it. So that's where our marriage oh. stands right now. We're de- we're dealing with her ring, which is worth considerably more than eight to ten dollars. But spending eight to ten dollars on me is a waste. But I might go rogue and I might buy one. I might actually buy two different ones and two half sizes to figure out the right size, yeah. and then just throw away the other one because it doesn't oh. matter. Because eight to ten dollars, man, that's just money to burn right there. Because I am not currently purchasing a rattlesnake ranch, and I have eight to ten dollars. <laughs> to spare first of all mm. i'm not apparently purchasing a rattlesnake ranch either so let's just make <laughs> that clear <laughs> that's funny though that uh boy i don't know that we've ever talked about this james i have it when you said napkin ring i thought holy crap that's exactly how i've been describing this i have a black titanium wedding ring and i tell people it's black and indestructible like my heart and uh <laughs> I think it was 95 bucks. Like, you yeah. probably have exactly the same freaking ring. I probably do. <laughs> it's upstairs. I'm not going to go get it. I keep it in a drawer now. But, yeah. But the thing is, they're, they're exactly as worthless as you think. Like, even, okay. And granted, they get you because after you buy the engagement ring and the wedding band, you know, you, you for the price of a, a, a used car, you come back and you're like, oh, mine's 90 bucks. I'm saving money. But you're still not saving money. You're paying, you know, 100 times over what it costs to make this thing it's just you've been so brutally gouged by comparison that it seems like it's a total savings but yeah if you are out there if you are looking to get engaged first of all talk your wife out of taking a ring uh it, it will not work at all but you gotta try and second if that doesn't work at least when it comes to your ring seriously go on ebay and buy your napkin holder for eight to ten dollars and you can think yeah you know what Email me the savings. Just send me a send me an Amazon gift card or something as like a finder's fee for saving you that eighty dollars. I, I think I deserve it. And uh, this one, now I've had I've never lost this ring. Now it has boy your stories of your ring flying off. I'm like yes, this one is a little big for me. And now I take it off when I go for walks because it used to be when I get sweaty. I would sometimes move, and if I didn't hear the ring hit the linoleum or the concrete, I wouldn't realize it flew off. I've washed my hands and thrown it away in the paper towel before. <laughs> like, uh, it has fallen off. It, it's fallen off in bed, and I didn't notice in the morning. Like, you're right. That is a real hazard for guys, because I don't know that most men ever take theirs off, but mine is way too loose, except... When I was fat, it was snug. So apparently oh. your fingers don't get fat, but mine do. And now it's loose again. 
So the uh, the interesting thing about that is that uh, they can't be resized because right. they're you know the, the the lady rings they're not nice soft gold or titanium can be melted right. down and reshaped but again we've got tank metal in ours and it just is what it is and if you want a different size you just buy a new ring or you get your fingers back in shape like those are the only options for dudes which is really how it should be and I guess it explains how my wife was able to break off a chunk of her ring because that metal is so soft that they can melt it down and reshape it and all of that uh actually oddly enough so when i was looking for her ring basically what i wanted is she had described it to me because we, we went and I, I got kind of a general idea from her beforehand but basically i wanted the equivalent of like you know a wet a wedding band is just you know the round one and it's got like some inlaid diamonds and i really just basically wanted that with one big diamond popping up from the top like that's the basic design i wanted and right. it did not exist anywhere and the closest i came after eight miserable hours of searching at the first jewelry <laughs> store the first ring i popped out was sort of like that except rather than the all the diamonds being flat and inlaid they uh it had like two they call them cathedrals it had two sticky up parts that pointed to the main <laughs> diamond sticky up. that's how you this, wrote it in your column it is too. how i wrote it up it's the most <laughs> accurate technical description i could give as i and i didn't want those sticky up parts but like that was the closest i could come without getting a custom designed ring and then when we went back after one of those sticky up parts broke off because they're a terrible idea like i looked around and like the kind of ring i wanted back then that didn't exist exists in like a thousand different variations now that's like half of the rings they have out there is just one diamond sticking up and then a bunch of other flat diamonds no sticky up parts involved and uh but you know what we couldn't get them because even though they were simpler than her ring and should have been covered by the cost apparently it was going to cost us like a thousand dollars extra to upgrade yes upgrade in quotes to a simpler smaller ring so it was uh it was quite the trip. I mean, jewelry stores and car dealerships, man. You just you know, you're never dealing with real amounts. The the price goes up and down and left and right, and you just whatever is happening, you're getting screwed. I mean, that's the only thing you can be confident of in that scenario. You'll find out someday, but I'll add funeral homes to that oh, uh, list also. Yes. yes. I actually, my wife and I have talked about, we are intent on being cremated. And even if you get cremated, they still try to get you. But again, like it shouldn't be that expensive. And there actually, there are places now you can buy coffins online that are, you know, the basically, I mean, there's no reason any of it should cost that much. The reason it costs that much is much like when you're getting engaged, you're like, well, this is what I'm expected to do. I, you know, I, she's going to be judged by it. And you're not really in an emotional state to save money because you're trying to impress somebody. And when somebody dies, you're not in an emotional state to haggle or go shop around you got this dead body of a loved one you got to do something with it and when they tell you the price of the coffin you're not going to go shop around at 25 other funeral homes you just pay it and you're done uh but now the internet actually i, I googled this the other day because i'm a weird and morbid person but wow. yeah there are now there wow. are now internet coffin dealers that'll sell directly to you i've actually heard you can buy <laughs> coffins at costco too because again who really cares? Oh, first of all, I mean, the markup is insane on there, but like, who really cares what the coffin looks like? You're going to see it for two hours, and that thing's going to go under the ground for the rest of time. So, like, well, what does it matter? James, because we're friends, I'll cremate you today 
if you want. <laughs> Seriously. I'd do you that know what? You. So they're actually, I actually read a few books about death a while ago, again, with my weird <laughs> and eclectic interests. But <laughs> there are places uh, out west where they got, and you have to get special permits and all sorts of stuff, but it's like, why do you even have to go to a crematorium for this? Like they, they, they got permits and they, it was like a special organic burial sort of situations. And they just went and built their own fire and burnt up a body and they started doing this. And rather than, okay, even cremation is cheaper than a regular, you know, coffin funeral, but you're talking, it's still, you know, several thousand dollars most likely, but this one, they just went out and did it themselves. They just had to get the temperature up high enough. There's also places where you can do like the natural burial where they basically just put you in a burlap sack and put you in the ground. So, you know, you can decompose rather than being pointlessly preserved until the end of time. Like why not let your body go back to nature? And again, that costs like a few hundred bucks, but most places it's completely against regulations. You basically have to get laws changed to allow that. And instead we create this situation where we we embalm somebody with you know you 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 preserve them forever for for what I mean you 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 suck out all the juices you stick them in a coffin you stuck that you stick that coffin in a concrete vault you stick that concrete vault six feet underground it's like okay the body's in one piece now what 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 good's that doing anybody James eventually they'll have to exhume your body to figure out who the murderer actually was won't they. Well, I don't think they're going to care. I think it's going to be one of those look-the-other-way situations. And as a courtesy to my murderer, which will probably be my wife, I'll just go ahead and get cremated to destroy the evidence. You know, just make everybody's life simpler, make it that much easier to move on. Boy, that is the nature of James Breakwell, is making everyone else's life simpler. Now, let me ask you this. Now, I, yeah. I assume that you're going to, of course, be a burden to your family and get buried. But let's say if you weren't getting buried, where would you want somebody to scatter your ashes? Because as I ponder that question myself, it turns out I'm really not that attached to any one physical location. And they could probably just toss my ashes out the window driving down the interstate. But other people are more sentimental than I am. So if you were getting cremated, where would you tell your family to scatter your ashes? First of all, James, when I offered to cremate you today, my intent was just to toss the ashes into the garbage can as I was walking <laughs> out of the crematorium. So no offense there. But gotcha. My I added a step I've... here. And what? I, I added a step you weren't anticipating. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, like I got to go on the freeway to go home. That's crazy. But uh, no, she's going to scatter my ashes on Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field. That's uh, I, are you a Cubs fan? Big. I mean, I, not this year, because I quit being a Cubs fan forever, at least four times a season. But, wow. Uh, yeah. So you were, were, did you stick around? Were you like a long timer and then you they won the World Series and it was the greatest moment of your life? Was Were you one of those? Like uh, an, an, an old Native American in a garbage commercial, I shed a single tear watching <laughs> that celebration. Absolutely. I grew up in Illinois, and we were evenly split between, like, Cardinals country and Cubs yeah. country. And then there were a few weird White Sox fans, but nobody talked to them. I didn't really yeah. follow baseball, but we were always They're kind of not even human beings, frankly. Yeah, we, but, yeah. we were always kind of a Cubs-aligned family. And we used to live in Iowa, and up in Iowa, it was more split between, like, the Twins and the Cubs. But, uh, yeah, I, I was happy when the Cubs won it all. Now, I got to say this, though. I bet they don't let you scatter your ashes on Wrigley Field because, like, all kinds of people would want that. And pretty soon you wouldn't see Wrigley Field. It'd just be a big pile of ashes. So I'm guessing she's going to have to do some Rambo-style stuff if you want to get that done. <clears throat> You're 
you're probably or, or, more famous than me, but I know more people than you. Oh, <laughs> so I am fairly oh. certain I could get this done, James. You're going to... So this is your long-term plan. I, you started the commute all those years ago talking to interesting people. <laughs> and one of these days you're going to talk to a Wrigley Field groundskeeper, and you're just going to keep his name in your back pocket until the day comes. And there won't be a ceremony or anything. He'll just be out there raking the field, and he'll casually drop your ashes through a hole in his pocket like you know Andy like Dufresne emptying out. Yes, like the Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. Yes. All right, all right, yeah. It makes sense now, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say Rattlesnake Ranch, but I guess you don't have a uh, emotional connection to it. Right now, it's just the source of all the anxiety and pain in your life, and I don't think that's ever going to change. So I think even after you've been at Rattlesnake Ranch for 20 or 30 years, you're still going to want Wrigley Field just to finally get away from that horrible place where you've been all that time. I'm fairly certain our closing date will be set 20 or 30 years in the future, so <laughs> it may coincide with my untimely death. Well, that, uh, that, that is very convenient, I guess. Well, well done on the timing and the synchronicity. <laughs> well, we are about out of time. Speaking of synchronicity and time and an untimely demise of this podcast, are you okay with ending it at this point, James? Or did you also want to talk about firing your contractor, which I was also very proud of you oh, for doing? Yeah. So, well, uh, again, I did it the most cowardly way possible, where we basically just <laughs> ghosted each other. But, yes, we have so many other things to talk about. Today, uh, we, your disasters actually were not enough to fill a whole episode, so we got to some of my disasters. We got to spread the disasters around. But I trust that by next week you will have a fresh round of disasters for us to discuss. But if not, yes, I'll be happy to jump in with contractor stories, more ring stories, whatever you've got. We are the bad news duo and we've got you covered they call us the vortex of misery james <laughs> <laughs> well we have to walk you back into the uh, tractor beam of happiness that is everything not touched by james or myself and until we meet again and you get pulled back into the vortex and share in some of the miserable existence that is wrong and wronger this is steve it's dr steve for james the exploding unicorn breakwell saying thanks for watching thanks for listening Thanks for sharing just a little bit of our misery for just 25 minutes a week. And until we meet again, always remember that two wrongs can make a right.